We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Social awareness. That's to take a piss. Don't take a shit in the porta potties. All right. All right. Welcome to another edition of the Butting Heads podcast from Ramstock Radio. I'm Steve Barrow. As always, here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, uh, since the last time. The we did this podcast. The Rams have signed quite a few players, and we're going to talk about them all. You know, the last time we did the show, the Rams had signed. It was the day Leonard Floyd signed. We talked about that a lot. So we'll go through all the players that the Rams have signed in the eight days since. Would you like to talk about Deshaun Jackson or Johnny Monk? <laughs> all two of them. Well, I mean, gosh, Steve, that's such a large list. Um, let Let's start. With Johnny Munt, because there's there's a ton to talk about there. Ton to talk about. The Rams' third-string tight end last year theoretically moves up in the depth chart this year. He's back on a one-year deal. Uh, not much money. I, you know, it is funny. I read that. I was like, Johnny Munt back, probably a minimum deal. I was like, great. I'm okay with it. He's uh, he, he serves a purpose. He's okay at his role. You know, sarcasm aside... It is. He is actually a um, a player that's worth keeping, and I, I am happy to have him back because you you need a good blocking tight end on your roster, and that's essentially his role. So uh, I, I actually um, talked to a few people on, on Twitter where they, you know, they kind of clowned on the deal. It's like it, it's not a sexy, you know, signing or anything, but he. He's serviceable, you know, and they begin asking, "Well, can he catch?" I'm like, "Well, no. That well, I mean, he can. He, he had a he had a couple catches last year, but that's not his role." Yeah, he's he, he serves his purpose. He he had that one game, man. He had that one game. I remember. Against where, the like, Bears. Where like he did some stuff. Yep. Yeah, it was great. Uh, I, you you love to see it. Um, but yeah, we're obviously, that's it for Johnny Munt. I think we did cover Johnny Munt as much as we need to in this podcast. I, I feel uh, like we need more Johnny Munt on this podcast. We will talk about the Rams biggest splash in terms of new players they brought in in free agency. And that is a 34 year old wide receiver who's played eight games over the last two years. Um, I say that harshly. I am actually excited about it. And we'll talk about the, I believe seven players, that have departed the Rams since the last time we did a show. 
the Rams have 14 players that entered free agency this year. Two of them signed back with us. Ten of them signed elsewhere. Two of them haven't been signed yet. One of those guys is Austin Blythe, who I'm talking about maybe we'll bring him back. And the other is Blake Bortles, who uh, that will be about the only mention of, of the boat that we do on this podcast. But, I mean, let's get into it, man. So, Deshaun Jackson is the first non-re-signing the Rams have made this free agency season and literally only the third player they've agreed to a contract with, uh, which happens when you have a lot of cap space. But we also did get the Rams' cap number that we have right now, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. But let's start with Jackson, man. Uh, This was a player that a lot of people, both fans and, I think, analysts and reporters speculated the Rams would go after and sign based on the fact that he fills a need. They don't have a lot of cap space. He's not going to command a lot of money. There's a history there with Sean McVay. And lo and behold, um, Deshaun Jackson is here with the Rams on a one-year deal. I'm, I, I don't know if the numbers are out yet. I, I haven't seen any. Either way, I can't imagine as much money. It might be a minimum deal. Um, but... <laughs> Anyways, I, I I don't think they're out there. I looked. I so think it it's, was a uh, five point five million, if I'm not mistaken. Is that true? I I believe so. Oh my god, that's kind of a lot. Eh, it's it's not a. It, it's I would say it's about a fair price. So you, we didn't get a bargain by any means. Yeah, I'm gonna have to verify that. Yeah, I, I I could be wrong, but I'm I'm about eighty percent sure it was a uh, five point five million. They got they got nothing on Spot Track yet, so um, <laughs> do your own research on that. I'm not we're not sure what it's at yet. Uh, but anyways, either way, yeah, that's not horrible if that's the deal. But um, I I hope it's a minimum. So you look at Sean Jackson, he. <laughs> He's a, you know, as a player, he's had, he's had an interesting career. He, at his peak, was, you know, arguably the most dangerous deep threat in the NFL. Uh, and today, you know, when he's out there, you could argue he still is one of the most dangerous deep threats in the NFL. He's not as versatile as he was back in the day. He's probably not going to be returning punts anymore. He used to be a, a lethal punt returner, as evidenced by that game against the Giants, that Giants fans will certainly never forget. He actually returned a punt last year. So, uh, he's still doing it a little, I suppose. So, I mean, you look at Jackson, and it's kind of like there are two ways to look at this. There's the glass-half-empty approach to the Rams signing Deshaun Jackson, which is he's 34 years old. He hasn't played a full season since 2013. He played eight games over the past two years. So, I mean, essentially missed three quarters of the last two seasons. Uh, last year, he played in five games. The year before, he played in three. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, can he stay on the field? He hasn't shown he's been able to stay on the field throughout the entirety of his career. He's played two seasons in which he's played 16 games, but usually when back in the Dan Philly, he was out there most of the time, uh, and even in Washington to an extent, and Tampa Bay. It's it's the last two years where he just hasn't been out there like at all. So that's the glass half empty is you're signing this old, has-been, injury-prone receiver who's literally on his last leg uh, and might be an injury away from his career ending. But if you look at it the other way with the glass half full, um, this guy can still fly. He it, The Rams needed a deep threat to add to this receiver room, and – He's a deep threat, man. Uh, even last year, you look at his highlights from last year, there's not that many, but uh, when he played the Rams, he actually showed that he could still catch some passes, you know, not necessarily just gunning it down the field and beating the defenders. But he also showed that uh, on a great touchdown he had with Jalen Hurts last year. I believe it was against the, Cow- yeah, against the Cowboys. He had an 81-yard touchdown. Uh, so that's kind of what the Rams need, man. There's, there's nobody on the roster that you could – throw out there and say run straight down the field and if you get single coverage we're probably going to throw you the ball and Deshaun Jackson is that kind of player now he's old but the Rams don't necessarily need a every down receiver he's going to be their likely going to be the fourth receiver on the depth chart 
he's not going to have to be on the field that much. And, you know, you, if you maybe the hope is that, yeah, you could keep him healthy enough to play 15 to 20 snaps a game. You know, Deshaun Jackson, he's probably not going to be out there on first down all that often early in the halves. Uh, he's probably not going to be out there on running downs. You know, when he steps on the field, your hope is that he can run straight down the field and catch a touchdown or he can run straight down the field and they have to really pay attention to him. And that's going to help some other guys get open, you know, a little bit further up the field. To me, I lean towards the glass being half full. I think this is really just a perfect low risk, high reward move. You're getting him on a one year deal. It's going to be a cheap one year deal. He's old. Yes, but he does provide that specific need that the Rams need when he's on the field, if he can stay out there. And even if he can't, you know, there's no long-term risk with this deal. And in the short term, John Ross already got signed. We could talk about if John Ross would have been the better signing. Maybe he was. Um, but that's besides the point. He's not here. We couldn't get him. Somebody else signed him. Marvin Jones was the guy a lot of people talk about. We could not get him. We could not afford him. Uh, Deshaun Jackson was the option we have at hand. And I think even if the Rams are considering adding a deep threat in the NFL draft, I don't think this negates their option to do that, but it also gives them the benefit that they don't have to do that if there's not a receiver that they like at a position that they're at in the draft with limited draft capital. They don't need to go address deep threat in the draft because you get this guy. I think it's a really nice uh, low-risk, high-reward option. And, man, if he could stay healthy, uh, you know, he's not going to be out there 100% of the snaps any games, but we don't need him to, nor should he be at this age in his career. Uh, I, I, I'm I, excited for this. I, I think there's going to be – I think we're going to reap some rewards in this. I think he's going to – there's going to be three to four games this year where he catches an insane touchdown. Yeah, as far as Deshaun Jackson is concerned, I don't know, like, it. I, I feel like uh, there's a lot of people either really – loving this signing to an over-exaggerated portion or they really hate this signing at kind of an unfair version of this, uh, you know, signing. So, like, <laughs> it it's funny because you don't want to go in with too high expectations because, as Steve mentioned, this, this he's going to be basically the fourth man on the death chart. That you're not going to get, like, a uh, thousand yard receiving from your fourth receiver. It's just not going to happen. Even if Matthew Stafford connects with him on multiple, um, you know, touchdown, you know, deep threat passes, there, there's just, there's no way he's going to get that many yards and touchdowns anyway. But the option is there. The whole point in this signing is basically giving Matthew Stafford more options, opening up the playbook even more. For Sean McVay because with Jared Goff you know being kind of limited the past couple years the playbook diminished quite a bit this gives Sean McVay more reason to open up the playbook and actually do different kinds of passing schemes and I think that'll make it that much more enjoyable for Matthew Stafford and I think this is going to be a very fun offense because of that and as far as the injury thing, yes, uh, Deshaun Jackson, he, he's had an injury problem as of late, but I think one of the reasons is because he's been kind of overly used, or at least attempted to be overly used. He's not expected to be a starter here. And for anyone to expect the Rams to, you know, go after a receiver that's going to be you know, that's going to get paid starting receiver money, you know, that's kind of a waste of money at the end of the day because this guy is ultimately going to be on the bench more often than he's not. You know, he ha he brings added dimension to the, the ball team, but he's not, he, he's not going to be your focus. I think that's what people really need to get out of this signing is, well, yes, he he's going to, bring speed to this offense he's not going to be there every single down there's a reason why the Rams paid Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and there's a reason why they only offered a one-year contract to Deshaun Jackson now hopefully this experiment works I think it will I think this is exactly the type of receiver that Matthew Stafford likes and um, can thrive in this scheme so 
Um, this, this signing is a lot more significant than people realize. One of the reasons why the Rams offense hasn't flourished since 2018 is because they had to limit themselves. By doing this, they make the offense that much more of a legitimate threat. We talked about what Matthew Stafford is capable of doing, and this actually amplifies it a little bit more because now he actually has weapons that can actually use his his uh, capabilities. So it may not be the slam dunk signing like uh, Marvin Jones type signing, but trust me, this is going to be significant down the line because his, his main targets are still going to be Cup and, and Woods at the end of the day. Yeah, and, and like you mentioned, they, they have financial commitments to Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, and uh, they restructured both of these guys. At least that's what we're led to believe based on the cap number and the, the things that have been said. I don't know if it's been – well, I think – I don't remember which one. I know one of them was like officially announced restructuring. I don't remember the other. But the fact that they restructured Woods and Cup is basically reaffirming their commitment that those are their two guys because if you didn't believe that long-term, you wouldn't be restructuring them because they have pretty easy outs next year. So the fact that you did that means those are your two guys. You're probably not going to pay a third receiver upwards of $13 million when you're paying those two guys that right now. And this year you cannot afford it, so it doesn't even matter. Plus you have Van Jefferson, who you spent a second-round pick on last year. Those guys are the guys they want to feed. And just the one thing that those guys really don't have in their arsenal is just a straight-up vertical threat ability. Last year didn't really matter because our quarterback wasn't probably been throwing it those routes all that much, even if, like, Brandon Cooks was still here, per se, with the deep threat ability. But now we have a guy that can do it. You need to have somebody that can give them that option, and Deshaun Jackson does it. And like you said, he's not going to be out there that much. Last year against the Rams, he played 77% of the snaps, 55 snaps. He's never he's not going to sniff that this year unless uh, one of the other guys go, gets hurt. And even if that happens, I still think they're going to try and limit this dude's snaps in every game because they're not signing him to score an 80-yard touchdown against the Cardinals in Week 5. They're signing him to score an 80-yard touchdown in the NFC Championship and deep into the playoffs, and that's what they're going to – it's going to be like what we saw with um, Todd Gurley, at least early in the year in 2019, that they were going to try and limit his reps so that he could be ready for the playoffs. Now, lo and behold, they did not make the playoffs, but I still think they're going to try and do that with Sean Jackson this year. Um, yeah, I, I, I like it, man. I It makes sense. It's for a team with limited budget. Like, look, we couldn't go out there and get Marvin Jones. We couldn't go out there and throw $10 million on a one-year deal with Will Fuller. We don't have that option. Uh, this is kind of the move we had to make. And then on top of that, too, you have uh, one less thing to worry about going into the NFL draft. As we all know, the Rams have very limited draft picks, so they got to make every draft pick count. And having, like, in, in all actuality, this is kind of a luxury pick for the Rams to, for them to go out and get another wide receiver, especially at a higher draft pick. So this gives them more wiggle room to kind of use that draft pick on, you know, more important positions like maybe a, a center if they don't get Austin Blythe signed or um, or an inside linebacker, which we've been which we've been needing for the past couple of years already. So, you know, and, and hey, I'd be I'd seriously be OK if the Rams went out and drafted two inside linebackers back-to-back. I think that's um, how badly we need inside linebacker. If we take an inside linebacker at uh, in the 50s and then at 88, I would be fucking stoked. I, I, I'd I, be totally okay with it. I would be, you know, I know that would get a lot of hate, especially because we have Micah Kaiser, and if you want to throw in Trayvon Howard, I guess you could. But, Troy Reader. Oh, God, no. I don't, I don't even. I, <laughs> I, I like Troy Reader a lot. As as a backup, maybe even as a special teamer, but the guy's not a starter. He he's not, and Kenny Young needs to be cut. Uh, no, none of those guys we're talking about are starters, man. None of them. Uh, I I think Micah Kaiser could be a starter. His problem is he can't stay on the field. Even last year, when he actually saw game action for the first time in his career, he still could not stay on the field. 
So it's like, what's the point? You know, you got to have a backup plan. So like I said, if the Rams went back to back inside linebackers in, in the 2021 NFL draft, I would be extremely excited because that would fulfill a need big time. It's not foolproof, obviously, because they're still rookies, but I would be a lot more confident than with the current guys we have at this moment. Yeah, it, it gives them flexibility because I think this is a, you know, deep threat is something they needed to add. And it's still something they can add in the drafts if they want to. But like you said, it would be a huge luxury pick. Van Jefferson was a luxury pick last year. So, like, <laughs> it would be another luxury pick. But, like, let's say there's a guy they're really high on that falls to them in the 50s or in the 80s. Uh, you can make that pick, but you don't have to. Like, if that guy's not there, you don't have to reach for a guy just because you think you need a deep threat. Um, but, yeah, let's talk about the cap a little bit. And you brought up something that I want to circle back on in your last rant. So the NFLPA released their sour cap. Of, these are official numbers because they're coming from the NFLPA, just their reports. I, I, I don't know what they're – but basically the NFLPA released numbers, and the Rams have $17.2 million officially in cap space. Now, over the cap has them at $10.5 million. So that's that's like a six million dollar difference. That's that's a fairly decent amount. The the possible reasons those numbers are different, and obviously the NFLPA number is the official number, but both account account for restructuring, and I don't think the number would be that drastically different between the NFLPA and over the cap. You know, they're a pretty respected source. So um, basically, what it seems like is the possible things is. The NFLPA didn't account for the Leonard Floyd signing, and there might have been a little wiggle room beyond that to make up the difference in restructuring numbers maybe that we don't have. Or Matthew Stafford restructured, and it hasn't been announced yet, but it has been officially submitted in the NFLPA. Uh, It basically has to be one of those two things. But either way, the Rams have between about 11 to $17 million to play with, which is interesting, man. I and one thing that I want to circle back to you on here, they have that much money to play with. Kenny Young's still on the team. Uh, <laughs> we kind of not notched him up as you know, I think that the most likely guys the Rams would have moved on from that were on the roster. I think number two, we kind of both agreed with Michael Brockers, which ended up happening. And number one was Kenny Young because you could save two million dollars by cutting him, uh, with no penalty, no dead cap. But he's still here. Uh, I feel like he, I I feel like he would have gotten cut by now. I think he's gonna be in camp. He could still get cut in camp, but I think they're gonna take him into camp. It, it's it's a possibility, and I and I think I think the thought process there is just in case they don't come across an inside linebacker. Or, or a pair of inside linebackers that they're just not 100% sold on. Because as we know from Les Need, his style isn't necessarily to go based on what you need. He goes, truly, this is a guy, this is a general manager that drafts best player available. He's not drafting for needs. And evidence of this came last year. It, I mean, we begged for inside linebackers last year during the draft. And we got one, and he was cut. Yeah, that that says a lot. But, but yeah, I mean, this, was, this is the same general manager that drafted two safeties last year. Not, not regretting it one bit, because Jordan Fuller is a freaking baller. And then... And then, you know, Terrell Burgess looked like he was doing really well until he got injured. And then this that's not even counting Taylor Rapp, who they drafted the year before. So, yeah, with a, with a high pick. Well, not like super high, but a second-round pick. Yeah. So so this, this is, while logically speaking, it would be nice for him to go after an inside linebacker. But if he sees somebody that he absolutely loves... He's going to go for them. He's not going to go after the inside linebacker that we're all shoving his face into, you know? 
<laughs> he's going to go after the player he loves. Yeah, and if you look at Lesney's draft history, especially before McVay, um, because we, we haven't had a ton of picks since McVay got here, they, they draft the guys they like. Uh, they don't often they, – they do draft for need to an extent, but, you know, you like even Cam Akers, for example. I don't think – I think they really like Cam Akers. I don't think that was necessarily we need to go running back at 52. I think that was we're going to take Cam Akers at 52. I think he's going to be a good player. You go as far back as like when we used to have first-round picks, Aaron Donald, Todd Gurley. Those were not needs. Those were best player available picks that worked out, and then some. Although, uh, shout out to I think his name is Dove Kleiman on Twitter, who was just acting like the Todd Gurley fan pick was bad, and wouldn't respond to my tweets when I tweeted him in like nine times about it. Um, but yeah, you have flexibility in the in the draft, and I think they are probably going to go best player available. And I, I mean, I have absolutely no faith they're going to take an inside linebacker with either of those two picks. If there are betting odds, I would bet the house that they're not going to do it because they just don't do it. They don't address this position. I don't believe they ever will. Do I actually see it? I think they're just banking on like, well, we found Corey Littleton. We'll find him again. Like, you're probably not going to find him again, man. Like, that was a fucking fluke. It really was. And that, he, it's not like he's even thriving in, in Las Vegas either. Like, those players don't grow on trees. I mean, I don't know. Clearly. like, And, like, it's funny. Like, you brought up Trevor Howard. I, I had a conversation with that. Uh, Paul Cat on Twitter a couple uh, weeks ago, and he was like, you think Trayvon Howard coming back impacts the Rams linebackers? And, like, like yes, it does impact the guys that are currently on the roster. He will compete with those guys for a starter if they don't bring in everybody. But at the same time, it's like if Trayvon Howard coming back from an injury is going to have a major implications on your inside linebacker room, then there are issues in your inside linebacker room because that shouldn't be a statement that you're saying about your team. Absolutely he's done not. it. He's proven nothing in the NFL. Like I think he's promised, but like what are we doing? Well, even even if you do have all the faith in the world in Traven Howard, and and you could even say the same about Micah Kaiser, I truly believe that Micah Kaiser is a decent player. Not not anything spectacular or anything. He's not the next coming of Corey Littleton. Let's let's put that into perspective there. But I think he's a decent player, and I think he could be a decent starter. The problem is he can't stay on the field. And the same thing you could say for Traven Howard, because even even before the reports for for last season, at, going into the season that he he was dominating during. Uh, uh, training camp, which is great, you know that that's awesome, but he didn't, he couldn't prove it because you know the injury happened, and even before that injury, he was suffering injuries the previous year. So you you're basically if you're going in with the same plan, you basically have to hope and pray that Troy Reader and Kenny Young can get better because they, it, it's very big possibility that those two will see the field as a starter at some point because you don't know if Kaiser Kaiser or um or Howard could stay healthy. Yeah, and I mean like Kaiser could be an okay player. I don't think we've seen any indication that any of the linebackers that played for us last year are going to be um startable inside linebackers. Like you might be starting them, but to me that doesn't make them startable. But I mean they 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 all showed some flashes. Even Kenny Young, to an extent, had a, had a game or two where he looked like he could do he could do something. But I I'm not trusting any of them. I, I really hope they spend. A- We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Day two pick on an inside linebacker. I don't care which one, but like it, it's, it's fucking time that they draft an inside linebacker. And they haven't drafted an inside linebacker in the first three rounds of the draft since Les Snead's been here. The only player they drafted in the first three rounds that played inside linebacker was Alec Ogletree, and he was not an inside linebacker when they drafted him. No, he wasn't. He was, he, he was a much better outside linebacker. To he be was honest. a much better outside linebacker, though I, I think he gets a bad rap. He was okay, but... We don't need to talk about Alec Ogletree. Um, before we get to the guys that have departed, I mean, what do you, what do you want to see them do with this little remaining money they have? I think we're both in agreement that Austin Blythe should probably be the biggest priority. Um, but let's say that that $17.2 million number is accurate, and even if they sign Blythe on the high side, maybe they sign for like $7, 8000000 million a year. You have about $9 million left. Nine ten million and two million of that is gonna probably gonna be allocated to rookies. There's some money there. I mean, they could, they could make a run. Like I think they could make a run at Clowney if they wanted to. I think they have enough money to do it. it be, like the fact that he hasn't signed yet, the fact that there hasn't really been any like talk of who he's gonna sign with. I think that there could be potential for them to add a, another edge rusher if if they want to with that money, um, depending on what happens with Austin Blythe. I mean, based on how the center market has been moving, like he's not going to get eight figures. No way. Um, I think six to seven million is probably the number I would anticipate seeing him at. I think they should sign him for it. I think continuity is important. And like you can't really make that big of a splash anyways right now. Most of the big splash players are gone. Just just bring back your guy, man, and, and let's move forward with it. Yeah, I I, I think certainly you, you want the Rams to bring back Austin Blythe. You know, having having um, a chemistry with your offensive line, as we mentioned many times, is incredibly important, especially because the, these guys, you know, when healthy – did a solid job and Austin Blythe as a center has has been pretty good you know he, he wasn't perfect of course but that's that's certainly a guy that you want to look out for and to tell you the truth I think seven to eight million might be a little bit too much but um I I mean if they if they can get a cheaper great because I think last year he received a four million dollar contract or somewhere along that line yeah it wasn't a lot Eight yeah. probably high, but I mean a one. If we get him on a one-year deal, seven million, or a a two, three-year deal, it's not really guaranteed. I mean, I I'd be okay with it. Just, I don't know what the Austin Blythe like. There's been no buzz about his free agency, so I don't really know what's out there for him. Uh, I mean, I don't think that Austin Blythe. I mean, he he's not really a a, a sexy free agent player to go after so I I think that the Rams kind of have a bit of an advantage there in terms of negotiating a contract uh obviously I I do expect the contract to be a raise up in 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 price I don't expect them to get them at the same or lower and if they did then Les Snead is a bigger genius than I thought he is but um you know I I do think that it is reasonable to think that we can bring him back now, if Austin Blythe and his agent want like an astronomical number, then um, probably best to avoid Austin Blythe. While I do like the guy and I do think he's a decent starter, I don't think he's worth breaking the bank for. And you know, I'd be okay. There's there's other centers out there that the Rams could potentially target. So I I'd be totally okay with the Rams, you know, avoiding Austin Blythe if if they can't reach an agreement but 
have that plan. I would much rather them go after a veteran than go than you know trying to get a rookie center. Center. I mean, any offensive line position is really difficult to find a starter in the NFL draft right away. They usually need a, a couple years to you know get the rhythm of of the league. So. I would much rather do that, but that's kind of in a perfect universe kind of scenario. To, I mean, there there are other guys out there that I'd love to have too. I think that's how that the Rams actually have some spending money. You know the, you know the idea of having Jadavian Clowney. You know, since he's still out there, it, it's intriguing for sure. I I wouldn't I wouldn't mind depending on what they end up, you know, signing him to a deal for. Obviously, I don't think they can get him, you know, a huge contract, but maybe a, a show-me contract would be appro- uh, appropriate here. I mean, another guy that's out there, though, is uh, Quan Alexander, just saying. Yeah, just, man. I'm that's just saying. I'm, I'd be so in on Quan. Dude, if, if the Rams somehow sign Quan Alexander... I'm taking tequila shots. I I don't care where I am. I'm gonna stop what I'm doing, and I'm gonna go get a grab some tequila because that that would be the ultimate. Uh, realistically speaking, though, he's probably out of our budget, but still, a man can dream. Yeah, we'll see, man. I mean, he's he has some injuries. I mean, he really he really I think just got caught more though because he was a cap casualty. But Juan Alexander isn't he? Uh, I don't know. I, you never know. We we have some money to play with. Even like if if the seventeen million is the accurate number, um, and that's accounting for everything. I'm not sure if it is, but like if it is, and we spend six million on a center, you know that's eleven million dollars to play with. Quan could be in play. I don't know. I he probably gets a longer term deal, but like uh, Clowney, I, I think could definitely be in play. And I I think with Blythe, I think it's. We're. I think we're signing a center no matter what. I think they learned their lesson with Brian Allen that year. Like they <laughs> will. Uh, <laughs> yeah, who's still on the team? Uh, you know they they're gonna bring in somebody, whether it's Austin Blythe or another veteran center. I think they do bring in somebody there, but I I ultimately think it ends up being Austin Blythe. The fact that he's still out there probably means that there hasn't been an aggressive market for him most lots of players have been getting signed like it's we're kind of on the value end of free agency for the most part besides some some marquee names out there Richard Sherman's still out there I don't think he's coming here though that would be fucking awesome yeah (laughs) Richard Sherman uh yeah we'll see it's it'll it'll be interesting um but let's let's move on to the departures because we have a lot of them a lot of players signed elsewhere this week I think the one that we should start with, which is not a uh, trade, uh, probably the one that we'll have to chew on the most here because there's a decent amount to break down, is Michael Brockers got traded mid last week, day or two after we recorded our podcast, for a seventh round pick to the Detroit Lions. It saved the Rams about $6 million. It was certainly a cap casualty. The Rams tried to restructure his deal. He did not want to. I do not blame either side for that. This is a business. He got traded to Detroit. Uh, I think both sides will be happy with it. He got in Detroit, and he signed an extension immediately, so he netted himself some more money. Uh, It seems like – oh, this is a quote from Brockers. So this is what he was saying about, like, going to Detroit. He said, according to my standards, there were a couple options out there, and I think the Rams were getting calls from different teams. I think there were different options out there, but just being comfortable with the staff, having familiar with a couple coaches on the staff – just made sense for me to be here. So it seemed like they helped him facilitate a trade to where he wanted to go, which I'm glad. He was a very long-tenured player. Um, it was only a seventh-round pick. A lot of people on Twitter were upset about that. I mean, listen, if he's getting traded for a seventh-round pick, there probably wasn't much else out there for him. They definitely did their due diligence in finding a trade for him. Maybe one team was offering a six-round pick, but at that point, like you're just going to help Brockers go where he wants to go long-term with agents and the NFL and relationships. That's the better move. Players will remember that. Agents will remember that in the future if you help a guy go where he wants to go. Um, 
if there was somebody offering like a fourth round pick for him, I think that would have been thrown out the window, but it wasn't happening. Uh, if that was out there, he would have, we would have gotten it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, I'm happy for him. He seems happy with, with the move. He didn't expect to be traded. He said in a quote, I really didn't know I would be dealing with it. To be honest with you talking about the trade market. I just signed a deal last year. I felt really good with the team. So really didn't feel like I was going to be dealing with this. It was kind of a shock to me, but I've been through it three other times. So I know how to go about free agency and stuff like that. It was a shock, but at the same time, it's a business. I know it's a business. Um, so <laughs> Bonnie, before I let you hop in here, we do have to talk about the, the best part about the Michael Brockers deal, which was that a couple days before the trade or weeks or whatever, I don't remember the time frame, he was asked about the Rams getting Matthew Stafford, and he called it a, quote-unquote, level up from Jared Goff. And now he's back with Jared Goff in Detroit, the reunited, but he did he did say this quote. He said, about that quote. He said it was kind of a fan booster. I didn't know I'd be dealing with free agency. Just trying to boost up the move I felt like the team was doing trying to boost up the fan base. I don't think it was anything against Jared. I even had to go to text Jared away from the cameras just as a man-to-man. Just like, man, bro, I didn't mean for it to go like that. I didn't mean what I said. As a man, you just know I respect you. As a player, you took me to the Super Bowl. So it wasn't like that. I saw him when I signed my deal and I talked to him and I had to apologize again because I understand that aspect of being a player. If you're up at this level, you're a great player. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're playing in the NFL, you're a great player. I never want to comment on somebody's career. I'm just going to leave it at that to the media and let you guys handle it. For me as a player, I respect each and every player in the league. So, I mean, I believe him. He, I mean, I also believe that he thinks Matthew Stafford is a level up from Jared Goff. But, like, I also believe that quote wasn't meant to be a knock on Goff. Uh, but... Uh, we'll miss him, man. He was the longest tenured player that was left here, and I- I'm happy he got an extension and got got some more money late in his career. Uh, I'm rooting for him in Detroit. Yeah, I, I I think that to an extent he it it was kind of blown out of proportion his, his comments. Um, I I don't think he I I think people made it sound like he thought. Jared Goff was trash. That wasn't necessarily his comment at all. You know, it's just that I think he does believe that Matthew Stafford might be the better quarterback, but that's not uh, that's not a shot at all at Jared Goff. And even even here with Rams talk, we we might we might, you know, hype up Matthew Stafford a little bit more than Jared Goff, but that doesn't mean we think that Jared Goff is just an awful quarterback. There are you know, even despite his struggles last year, there are other quarterbacks in the league that I'd still rather have Jared Goff over over any of those quarterbacks. So yeah, he's Jared Goff. I think we all agree he is a top thirty quarterback. How much higher than that? That remains to be seen. Not not that much higher because you know we traded him. I think we all agree. Yeah, like I don't know if I wouldn't call him a top twenty quarterback today, but. He's a starting quarterback in this league, and if I, I think it's worth a team like Detroit taking a shot on him. Yeah, absolutely. So I I, I think that to, to that regard, it was kind of thrown out of proportion, but I do believe that that uh, Brockers thought that Matthew Stafford is a better quarterback than, than Jared Goff. I, I do I do wholeheartedly agree with with that notion, and, and – uh, you know, as far as losing Brockers goes, you know, it, it sucks because, you know, obviously this is a guy that was a familiar face to this franchise. And, you know, just to see him go, he was a selfless player both on and off the field. So, um, seemed like a really good guy in the locker room. And uh, to see him go just absolutely sucks. But, you know, with the salary cap being what it is, didn't really have much of a choice. And as far as what you're going to get out of him, I didn't really expect to get much out of him anyway. You know, this is a guy that's kind of an aging veteran, and while he still was playing at a high level, he he also was costing a lot of money. So uh, I imagine this was a trade that not only benefited Michael Brockers, uh, but it benefited the Rams in terms of them not having to pick up any of his contract. So... Yeah, I mean, 
in that regard too, by doing this trade and doing a trade and not cutting him, the Rams saved even more money. So that's that's something to keep in the back of your mind as well. As much as I'd like to receive more than what they did, and really they, they kind of gave him away for nothing, um, they gained everything from the free cap space. So uh, yeah, it would have been nice to get more, but realistically speaking, we just couldn't. And that's just the reality of the situation. Right, it was a numbers cut, and we talked about the options they had at guys they could trade or cut, and he, by far, I think made the most sense out of the players that could get back meaningful cap space. It was really him and Rob Havenstein, um, and he makes much more sense. He's much more replaceable, even though he's a good player. I mean, you look at the guys we have in the room right now, the defensive line, you have Sean Robinson, who you brought in last year, who didn't get to play that much and played well when he was out there. You got Sebastian Joseph Day, who's kind of like a blooming star, uh, they've drafted pretty well at this position. They've signed undrafted for agents that have performed at this position. And you also have a guy by the name of Aaron Donald in that unit, so I think you'll be okay. Uh, but I'll miss him, man. He was a great player, good dude. Uh, shook his hand at the draft when he got drafted. That's that's my Michael Brocker story. Um, couple, probably more of a lightning route through some of these guys, but we will touch them all. All the other players that left the Rams this week. Gerald Everett, who we had known when we recorded our show last week, um, was leaving, signed a $6 million one-year deal with Seattle. So we'll see Gerald twice next year. I think it's a decent gamble for Seattle. It's good. It's a good deal for Everett, who hasn't proven too much. But, like, I, I could see this working out for them. I, I'm not, like, scared to see him in Seattle. But I, I think it's a smart move for both sides. Yeah, absolutely. As far as Seattle is concerned, um, I, I, to be honest with you, I still see him being the backup here because I, I think I like Will Disley a little bit more. Than I, I love Will Disley, dude. Let yeah. the man rip. Yeah, that. So that's that's why I'm saying like he he's basically gonna have a similar role in Seattle. This this is not exactly a a, a signing where you know, Seattle's going to put all of their faith in Gerald Everett. So um, I, I still think he's a threat. You know, that's not to take him lightly or anything like that. But um, in reality, he's still not going to be the starter. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see, man. I, I think I think they, they'll they probably split time. I think that Seattle will use him. Uh, $6 million is it's it's one year, so it's not a huge commitment, but it's also not nothing. Um, you pay $6 million for guys that you want, you expect to play. And I, I think they, they have some expectations for him. Next pass catcher from the Rams to leave, Josh Reynolds uh, was not anticipated to be back, but he goes to Tennessee on a one-year deal. Um, I think this is a great opportunity for Josh Reynolds. He's going to be playing next to A.J. Brown. Ryan Hannell's a decent quarterback. They have the best running back in the league maybe in Derrick Henry. Uh, they're – Second and third leading target getters left the team. Corey Davis and Johnu Smith both gone. So this is a good, like, if Josh Reynolds was picking a spot where he could say, where am I going to have the best opportunity to prove myself? He's going to get the chance to play here. Uh, that being said with Josh Reynolds, I, like, I feel like I've seen a decent amount of people saying, like, we need to actively replace Josh Reynolds. And it's like, we don't, man. Like, there's a chance he's just another guy in this league. We don't need to replace him. I, I think there's promise. I think he's going to a good landing spot. I actually, like, do believe that he's going to have a good year next year. But, like, we have enough on the team right now to fill the void left by Josh Reynolds. Yeah, as far as Josh Reynolds is concerned, I do think that he is a bit of an underrated player. And, um, like Steve said, I think going to Tennessee um, is is a it's a good starting point for him or uh, another starting point, I should say for him, you know, to potentially blossom. But while we lost Josh Reynolds, we still have Van Jefferson. You know, th this is not something we need to actively try to replace for him. And then, you know, especially after the signing of Deshaun Jackson, that's four very capable wide receivers and the Rams are pretty high on Tristan Jackson, who was an undrafted free agent. They uh, kept on the roster all year last year. So, do you really need another one? Mm, uh, not really. No. And it's like, 
theoretically, Josh Reynolds is a big-bodied receiver who can do big-bodied receiver things, but it's not like they're ever throwing fades to Josh Reynolds or, like, jump balls to a guy who could just go up and get one. He's not that player. Um, no. But I'm, I'm rooting for him. I hope he does well in Tennessee. Uh, Morgan Fox, defensive end, goes to Carolina, two years, $8 million, $7 million guaranteed. Um, I would have liked to have offered Morgan Fox this deal. I think they should have given him this. This is yeah. not that much money. He's a productive player. He's coming into his own as a player. I I would have paid him that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there, Steve. I, I would have loved to have uh, brought him back, especially on this contract. But you know, I I think too at the same time, it, it's just the the numbers game and. I would have loved to have have him back, but who knows? You know, as you mentioned, Steve, Jadavion Clowney is still out there. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. see what they do, man. I, I, you know, as much as I liked Morgan Fox, I would consider Clowney to be a major upgrade. Morgan Fox truly has played like six games in his career. I mean, I'm gonna miss him. I, I actually think he's he was a budding, budding player, and I think he's he's gonna be good in Carolina, but. Hopefully, yeah, like, I'd, I'd obviously rather spend that money on, like, a splashy move, like Clowney or somebody in that mold, that defensive end. Um, but, yeah, hey, good for him, man. Like, $8 million for a guy who, like, if you to- asked me last year, like, if you asked me at the beginning of last season, hey, how much money do you think Morgan Fox is going to get in free agency? I would have responded, why are you fucking asking me this? I don't know. Probably nothing. And look at him now. That's that's much more than the minimum salary. Yeah, well deserved, man. Well deserved. He I agree. came out of nowhere. I agree, man. Uh, speaking of guys who came out of nowhere, granted, a long time ago, Troy Hill, uh, a a guy we will miss talking about on this podcast, I think, to say the least, goes to Cleveland four years, twenty four million dollars. It's also not that much money. Um, I wouldn't have been upset if the Rams gave him this deal, but I get why they didn't. It's it's years. It's not nothing. Um, but I, I'm really happy for him. This is a guy who came into the league, wasn't good when in his first couple couple games and couple years, um, was an undrafted free agent, but really came into his own as a a starting caliber secondary cornerback in the NFL and earned some money. He's been paying, playing on cheap deals with the Rams for a while. And I I'm happy to see him uh, get a nice pay raise and go to a good team. Going to be playing with John Johnson next year. Secondary in Cleveland's looking a little familiar. Maybe Kaderil Hodge will still be on their roster. He's uh, good for him. I, I, out of all these players to get paid, I, I probably am the happiest for him. He, he gave a lot of, Good years to the Rams. He also got a lot of frustrating years to the Rams, but I, I, I will. He's a guy that I think they do need to replace, uh, and I think they, because of his departure, I wouldn't be shocked if they add a cornerback in the second or third round, uh, because they like playing three cornerbacks, and I don't know if they believe in David Long. Yeah, I, I would have loved to have brought him back just because we, we've seen his impact the past two years. He's, he's been. He's. I would say he was an elite cornerback in this league. You know, uh, the past two seasons. Nah, I, I mean, come on. I, I would. I would seriously say that. You know, may, maybe. Well, how, uh, okay. how many players fall into your elite category? Uh that's a good question. Um, he was very good. Like at times, though, he was very good. I mean, you're talking about the the NFL's leader in defensive touchdowns. That means something. Janoris Jenkins did that one year, dude. It, it means it doesn't mean that much. Well, Janoris Jenkins, I, I I would consider him better than any any point of Janoris Jenkins' career. To be fair. Okay. That, that, that's. Kind of... <laughs> you're like I don't. <laughs> that's kind of a take. You said you think he's better than Janoris Jenkins was? Yeah, I truly believe that that Troy Hill is the better player at any point of Janoris Jenkins' career. 
I love like this is how full circle we've come from the all the years of doing this podcast. How much we used to shit on Troy Hill. Now yeah. you're sitting here saying he's better than Janoris Jenkins, who not a bad player. No, at the very least, uh, at least now, like I, I'd take Troy Hill today over Janoris Jenkins. May probably, eh. I don't know. I think you're, I think you're underselling Janoris Jenkins. Uh, possibly. I mean, I, I, not to say that I didn't have any faith in Janoris Jenkins because I was actually a Jenkins fan. Uh, but you know, I, I truly believed in what Troy Hill did um, for the past two years, even though it didn't exactly start that way. I actually wanted the Rams to cut him at one point. Hey, I, I'm I'm a big enough man, both literally and figuratively, to um, to admit when I'm wrong. You know, I was obviously super wrong there, and I'll definitely be wrong in the future. Uh, so, you know, there will be times where I'm correct. Uh, but, yeah, about Troy Hill... I was obviously incorrect, and I would love to have him on the roster still. Unfortunately, the man got paid, and uh, yeah, now we have more Rams players on, on the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, the beyond Leonard Floyd, I don't think the Rams were looking to give out any four-year deals, and that probably sealed the deal. Though I, I feel like they weren't really looking to bring Troy Hill back, but that's not a bad deal. Like I would have given him that deal, but oh, I, yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah, he's... He's good, man. Uh, I, I hope he does well. It's like it, I feel like I'm at like a going away party talking about like we've talked about Gerald Everett, Josh Reynolds, and Troy Hill a lot on this podcast, and this guy, Malcolm Brown, goes to Miami on a one year deal. Like we're not gonna get to talk about these guys anymore, man. Uh, Malcolm Brown, you know he he's been a very reliable backup. Uh, he was also a guy that was here in St. Louis. He's going to Miami. He's gonna have a Chance to compete with some touches with Miles Gaskin there, if, assuming uh, you don't. You can't really assume this, but if they don't draft a running back, I would not be shocked if they did. It would make sense. But um, it's a good landing spot for him. Stays in warm weather. Uh, and I think it's a decent move for the Dolphins. Uh, they, they had some pretty terrible depth at running back last year, and if they choose not to address it in a big way in the draft or in free agency – Malcolm Brown, he's a reliable guy to have in your running back room. He, you could trot him out there, and he, he's he's always okay. He's a good pass blocker, uh, decent short down runner. We'll see what he does in Miami. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think that Malcolm Brown's just time with Los Angeles was just done. You know, he there was no more role for him. He was kind of an afterthought in the towards the end of the season, especially with Cam Akers, you know, playing as well as he was. So, you know, I, I think they could have tried to find a spot for him, but in the end, he, he's better off on another team, and the, the Dolphins can certainly use him. So I, I don't imagine he's he's a starter by any means, but he, he can certainly be a guy that, that contributes and, and produces, uh, you know, something. And like I said, I, I still think Malcolm Brown is an underrated player, uh, especially uh, in the backfield uh, as a receiving running back. So um, I, I think he can do big things in Miami. Yeah, it's it's just such a deep position. Um, there's just so many options out there for guys that are can come in and, and play okay. I mean, look at what we saw from Mike Davis last year in Carolina. He got like a two-year, $5 million deal. Todd Gurley's still out there. Think the Rams should go after him? <laughs> you know, to tell you the truth, I would not mind it. I would not. Yeah, as, yeah. I would as, love it, man. As much I, as the guy scores, you know, that's all you need him for. You you got the you got Henderson and Acres to to do like everything else. Put Todd Gurley in to be your your uh, touchdown machine. You know, I'm totally on board for it. Just don't give him a major contract. Wait, what'd you, what'd you say the last part there? You cut out for a second. Oh, I was just saying, uh, I, I, I think, uh, you should, you should, uh, you know, go after him. Just don't give him a major contract. Yeah. I mean, kind of no, been he, down that road. If anyone signs him, he's not getting over $3 million and that would be a lot for him. Yeah. It sucks, man. I hate it. I, I wish he was just still fucking balling. Yeah, he, he. I would. I honestly would love to have him back. He's not 
they're not signing Todd Gurley though. No. Wouldn't it be shocked if they signed like Adrian Peterson though, if we're being honest. <laughs> I think I'd rather have Gurley if I'm gonna be honest. Like <laughs> <laughs> I mean no disrespect to Adrian Peterson, but uh if if we're talking like uh, eight year, eight ten years ago, Adrian Peterson. I, I'm all on board. Of course, so would every team in the league. But um, yeah, I, I mean, there's at least Gurley. What you're getting with him is a scoring machine. Uh, basically, have a more effective Malcolm Brown role from last year, and uh, I, I, I think you you have a, a really competent player as as your third string running back. Whereas Peterson, uh, dude's done. Yeah, I mean, I, I they're not signing Todd Gurley, and if they sign Adrian Peterson, like he's not going to play that much. Nope. But I would not be shocked if they signed him. I'm just I'm putting it out in the in the world. Yeah. He averaged three point nine yards of Gary last year. That's kind of insane. Yeah. How much did Todd Gurley average? I bet it was like two point seven. Yeah, I mean, three point oh, three point five. Okay, still lower though. <laughs> oh man. Uh, oh, and, and the last signing, one of ninety-seven players signed by the Houston Texans, uh, Derek Rivers. I don't have any thoughts. I mean, he was depth. He he actually played a little bit just because. Why not? <laughs> oh man all right i ain't got well, much more than that yeah that's it the last two rams remaining in free agency austin Blythe and blake bortles do you think blake bortles gets signed not a chance yeah i'm shocked man how just like quickly he's just like out of the league we well, were so amped when we signed him I still think he's a solid backup. It's just the Rams have John Wolford. Why, why do they need to sign anybody else? I'm saying, like, you think anyone signs him. Oh, in general? Yeah, I, I think he'll eventually be signed. Um, maybe not right away, but I see him at least making a practice squad. Well, yeah, well, we'll see if he, if they keep the practice squad eligibility from last year. Because in, in a usual year, he wouldn't be eligible. They changed it last year because of uh, the COVID rules. Uh, that's true, I guess. Yeah, so I don't know, man. Crazy. It, that'd be nuts if he was just out of the league that quickly. He, I would take him as a backup. But, yeah, I'd rather have Wolford. Yeah, no question. Alrighty, man. Well, that was like an hour's worth of podcast. Fun times. <laughs> uh, you got anything you want to hit before you wrap up? we wrap up? Uh, well, go Bruins. You know, they're they're actually doing something in March Madness, and uh, they weren't even sure that they were going to even make the, the tournament. So go Bruins uh, for all you college basketball fans out there. And if you're not a Bruins fan, well, you're missing out. Hey, man, the the Pac-12 is, is cooking. They really are. I mean, pretty much everyone that entered is still in it. Like compared to the like the the fucking Big Ten is just I I don't watch college, college basketball really that much anymore but like Pac twelve is brewing and and the Big Ten is just awful. <laughs> man, Ohio State, man. Ohio uh, got... State, um, Iowa lost right. Illinois yep. lost. I, I got to give Derek some shit from that, but. Uh... Uh, it'll just bring up football and then make me sad. So I, I maybe I won't. <laughs> Purdue lost. Um, the yeah, the Pac-10 man. USC USC just fucking whooped Kansas's ass. Yeah, they did. Well, USC honestly, as much as I hate to say it, because I can't stand USC, they actually have a solid squad. You know, they. It would not surprise me at all if they go very. Um, if they go even further in this tournament, uh, it were, would surprise me if UCLA goes any further because they have a they have a really tough matchup against Alabama, um, you know, this Sunday. So 
fingers crossed, guys, uh, because I, I didn't think UCLA would make it to the Sweet 16. They're there. Let's hope they go up to uh, the final, the final four. You know, Elite Eight. Hell, let let's hope they win. Let's hope they win it all. Cinderella hey, story. I, I'll root for him. I'll root for him because I picked Illinois to win the tournament. They're already out, so I don't care. And my uh, my Marquette Golden Eagles did not even sniff the tournament this year. That's just surprising. They usually they usually do fairly well. Not not lately. They just fired their coach. Uh, <laughs> not not great over there. We haven't won a tournament game since 2013. Lovely. Ouch. Lovely. Not fun. All right. Uh, well, we'll be back next week. Uh, probably maybe wrapping up for agency. We'll see. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Super Barrow, at Johnny Five Not Six, at Talk Rams. Good luck with your brackets, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that. We're going to see him soon. You feel me? Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.